1: What's up, everybody? Week six of the Big East Barroom, and I'm going to come out firing. I don't think there's a better opening in all of podcasting than that. Gus Johnson and Bill Raftery will get you fired up any day of the week, and as we get closer to the conference tournament, we need them. Uh, we're sorry that we missed last week. Valentine's Day took the dub last week. We we're 0-1 on Valentine's Day play. Uh, but we're back this week with uh, the games of the games from last week, games coming up. Um, You guys have been awesome interacting with us on Twitter, Discover DePaul Twitter this week, we'll get into all that, Creighton Twitter, Um, excited for all of that, but first, uh, Ryan, how you doing? Doing
0: well, Ty, thank you for that intro, and
1: uh,
0: I appreciate that you said an apology to all of our listeners making us miss our podcast recording last week, but we're back, we're happy to be here, and um, you know, ready to get to it. Yeah,
1: you know, it's a little bit of a hostage situation where I was, we compromised, and I said, I have to record the podcast, and she said, we're going out for Valentine's dinner, so we compromised, and we went out for Valentine's dinner, Yeah, yep. and I think anybody who's ever been in this situation will understand what a great compromise that was, but um, no, it was, a, I mean, it was a great week of basketball, um, you know, Ryan got to go to a UConn game this week, I got to go to a UConn game this week, which led to us missing a little bit, but it also gives us a different insight, because we got to see Seton Hall in person, and we got to see, um, Xavier in person. And
0: definitely a lot to talk about from that UConn game in person. Xavier, the James Knight game. So uh, we'll get into that a
1: little bit. Um, before we get started on the Big East, you want to touch on Juan Howard? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we've are we obviously been a Big East pod. I uh, I came pretty strong in. For anyone who didn't see it, um, yesterday, Michigan's playing Ohio State at Ohio no, State. Mi- Michigan's playing Wisconsin. One of those red Big Ten schools. Michigan's playing Wisconsin at Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan's kind of getting smacked a little bit. They were down, I think, about 15. Um, What it seems like happened, and I'm a little bit fuzzy because I was on the train, but I tried to catch up on the game. Uh, Michigan started pressing Wisconsin's um, freshmen, not freshmen, but their walk-ons, kind of the players that you put in when you're up 15 points um, at home um, at the end of the game. Um, And so one of the rules is if you call a timeout while you're in the backcourt, you know, it's a 10-second count, but if you call a timeout when you're in the backcourt, it actually resets those 10 seconds. So they got down to about four seconds, and guard, the Wisconsin head coach, decided to call a timeout. Michigan, Jawan Howard, kind of took it as a uh, kind of a slap in the face. So what happened is they go to the handshake line. Uh, Jawan Howard says, I'll remember that. Guard then grabs him kind of, you know, not really like an aggressive, too aggressive, like kind of to stop him and says like, whoa, 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 you were pressing my kids, like trying to explain it. But the second he touched Juwan Howard, it was game on for uh, Juwan, at least, because uh, Howard just started yelling, don't and touch me, don't and touch me, don't and touch me. Um, they were eventually broken up, kind of, their players, but then it looks like an assistant coach runs in um, while the players are separating all of them, and Juwan reached over and kind of open-hand smacked the assistant coach upside the head. And um, then things got really ugly from there. You had yeah, players throwing The about Diabate just... Diabate looked like he was one of those rock sock'em robots. He was just like, boom, 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 boom,
0: boom. He's just out of control. Um, Terrence Williams was throwing a lot of punches. There was a backup player for Wisconsin, I think his name's Neith, who yeah. dived into the pile. So it's not all Michigan. He's oh, yeah. not the only troublemakers in the yeah, situation. But it, it got really out of control, and Juwan Howard um, pretty much let it off.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but we haven't really dived into it. My whole thing was, I don't think Greg Gard should have ever touched Juwan Howard, and but at, and I think that Greg Gard should get a one-game suspension for putting his hands on. He did. Talk, he did basically stop Jawan Howard from keeping him moving. I think if he doesn't touch him, Joan Howard kind of just has a lack of sportsmanship moment where either gives him a kind of a high five as he walks past without looking at him, or just avoids his hand. But then everything after that. But Howard I think just even you know, and I, I do see your point, point. I think
0: it would have been noteworthy. They would have got broken up. And it could have ended right there. But then Juan Howard steps
1: back in to yeah. smack a guy in the face. Yeah, and Joan Howard's quotes yeah. after as so he feels threatened. You're being blocked by about 15 people, and you're also the tallest one in there. Yeah. So, and you're also a, prof- a former
0: professional athlete. To just
1: say that you feel threatened by these two kind of older gentlemen, um, whatever. Um, I thought it was an awful look for Juwan, especially because he had an incident last year where he had to be uh, separated from the coach. Coach uh, Turgeon of Maryland. Yeah, too. Um, Turgeon isn't there anymore, but... Um, I think that Jawan Howard, this is a fireable offense. And the main reason I say that is because if you do that in the professionals or you do that there, you know, those are professional ballplayers. They're adults, a lot of them. And I know these college kids, some of them are, you know, adults over 18, whatever, if we get into semantics. But basically, you see your coach fighting, you're not going to ask questions, you're just going to get in there and fight. And you can see Deavate, he's just throwing haymakers. If he punched someone, and this is what Ryan said last night, say he punches one of the Wisconsin kids, breaks their nose, you get blood all over the court. You get I mean, it could have just been an absolute melee. And the way they were throwing punches, like, sure, Jawan Howard, if that happened in an NBA game, he'd probably get a one-game suspension to keep it moving. But when you're supposed to be leading... A generation, you know, I just thought it was an awful look for Howard, and I think because it's not his first time, I do think it's a fireable offense. Michigan's having a really bad year too um when they came in ranked fourth. I don't know if that'll go into the a d s decision um on whether you know the headache of Howard is, but it seems like Howard has a switch that the second he feels he feels threatened like- he just sees red and it's over
0: yeah it seems to be uh, a little bit of an anger situation um you know you don't like to see that. I hope he doesn't get fired. I wouldn't blame him if they do. I'd love to see them work something out where if he does it again, he's fired. Uh he you know, his team was a lot of fun last year. The Michigan team went pretty deep. They had three guys go pro. Um and so, you know, he he seemed to be bringing a breath of fresh air. the big 10 program until all this has kind of come
1: out so i I was rooting for him you hate to see it you hope he figures it out and it doesn't happen again yeah and his kids probably love that he you know he's quote unquote and actually literally fighting for them um but at the same time i mean you just have to have a cooler head prevail there and i just it was disappointing to see especially because i really defended howard last year i know you guys don't know that but especially to my brother when that happened um i thought howard was you know kind of in the right in that situation but now it's a trend um and I don't know if frustration is just kind of boiling over there. But I think it's it's the talk of the Big East today, at least. Uh, yeah, talk, not talk college basketball. Talk of college basketball. Well, so I mean, it's, it's all good to hit the on. news and everything. So um, Yeah, it's good to touch on. But, That's uh, kind of where we're at. But, you know, the Big East keeps their uh, problems in-house. And <laughs> yeah. It, um, you don't really have any of that, those situations. Somebody posted a picture of Jay Wright when it all went down and said, leading by example. Can yeah. you imagine Jay Wright throwing hands at no, somebody? Oh, goodness. He would not want to mess up his hair. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a good... good uh, Big East has a lot of great coaches. I can see Hurley losing his cool, but I couldn't even see Hurley trying to fight someone. Although, he does talk a lot of smack, so maybe someone will try to fight him eventually. But, uh, yeah, so let's go into the clean, well-played, nice Big East Conference that really has to show the Big Ten what's up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, let's go over the week that was. For college
0: basketball. All right, let's start off. Monday night, Creighton defeats Georgetown, 88-77. Alex O'Connell goes for 27 points and 5 assists. Ryan Hawkins, another double-double, 14 points, 12 rebounds. Amino Muhammad for Georgetown, 27 points, 10 rebounds.
1: And Dante Harris, 23 points, 2 assists in the losing effort. Tuesday, the day after Valentine's Day, we get maybe the game, one of the more anticipated games of the year, you have Villanova going to the dunk to play Providence. Villanova escapes with a win, 89-84. It was a really well-played game. Villanova, for, for Villanova, Gillespie has kind of, I mean, we could talk about this later, but he cemented what I think is a player of the year resume with 33 points. Justin Moore was really great in the first half, 19 points and 10 rebounds. Slater added in 13. For Providence, Nate Watson had 20, although they went away from him in the second half. A.J. Reeves was 16, and Jared Bynum with, chipped in 18 off the bench. Uh, Nova escapes with a win. Later that night, Butler defeats
0: DePaul seventy-three seventy-one. 71 Shemis goes for 19 points, 4 rebounds. Chuck Harris, 18 points and 5 rebounds. For DePaul, David Jones, 17 points, 4 assists. And Brandon Johnson, 10
1: points, 9 rebounds. But it wasn't enough. On Wednesday, the Johnnies visited Xavier. Johnny's come away with a win, 86-73 for St. John's, a good sign again still. Julian Champagne with 27 points. Seth Smith had 13, and Aaron Wheeler had added 11-8. and eight. For Xavier, Jack Nunji had 22 points and 7 boards. Paul Scruggs chipped in 16 in the losing effort. Later that night, Marquette defeats Georgetown
0: 77-66. Cam Jones, the freshman, goes for 19 points on 5 of 10 from 3. Uh, Justin Lewis chips in 13 points, 8 rebounds. For the Hoyas, Amina Muhammad goes for 13
1: points and 17 rebounds. Dante Harris, 14 points, 5 assists. In the late game on Wednesday, Seton Hall visited Yukon. Yukon wins 70 to 65. Seton Hall had Jared Roden with 14, Kadari Richmond with 13, and Jameer Harris with 15 points. For Yukon, the same three that you'll hear about all season. Sanogo with twenty and sixteen, Tyrese Martin with sixteen and ten, and RJ Cole added sixteen points as Yukon gets a big win at home. Moving to Thursday night, the standalone game Creighton defeats DePaul seventy-one to fifty-nine. Ryan Hawkins
0: twenty-five points, eleven rebounds. Ryan Nemhard nineteen points, six assists. Javon Freeman
1: Liberty goes for eighteen points and thirteen rebounds, and Jalen Terry eighteen points, six rebounds. Friday, you got the standalone game on Friday was Butler going to play the Johnnies at St. John's. This was an old-fashioned whooping. Butler wins or Butler loses fifty-seven to ninety-one for Butler. Only really note I have is Taylor had nineteen points for St. John's. Aaron Wheeler with 16 points, Julian Champagne with 31 points, and Posh Alexander had 13 points and 10 assists in the big win for the Johnnies.
0: Saturday afternoon, UConn defeats Xavier 72-61. Uh, UConn had 16 points, 3 assists from R.J. Cole, 16 points from Tyler Polly For Xavier, Adam Kunkel puts up 15
1: points, and Nunji goes for 11-7. and Not enough. Uh, a little bit later in the evening, Villanova had a scare. Villanova beats Georgetown 74-66 at home. For Georgetown, Harris had 16 points and carry with 24. For Villanova, 19 from Justin Moore, 10 from Eric Dixon, and 11 from Brandon Slater. As Villanova does survive the upset bid. In the late game, Seton Hall defeats DePaul
0: 66-64 and what was a really good game right down to the end. Jerry Roden goes for 18 points and 18 rebounds. Kadari Richmond, 11 points, 5 assists. On the other side, Javon Freeman-Liberty is back in action with 22 points, 4 assists. And, as always, I can't say
1: the name, curvoisier McCauley, 13 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, the next day, Saturday, we Sunday. had a... What? Sunday. Sunday, I'm sorry, Sunday. Providence played Butler, and Providence escapes to the win 71-70. All they do is win. Providence had got 22 from Nate Watson, 15 and 11 from Noah Horkler. Jared Bynum added in 18 points in his return to the starting lineup. For Butler, Harris had 17, Aaron Thompson was 16, and Bo Hodges with 13. On the end of the game, Aaron Thompson, at the end of regulation, Aaron Thompson had a chance to win it. Noah Harkler jumped up and blocked the shot, forcing overtime where Providence was able to win the game.
0: In the last game of the week, Creighton defeats Marquette 83-82. Ryan Cochbrenner goes for 21.7 rebounds. Ryan Nemhardt was fantastic, 18 points, 5 assists. Darryl Morcel was great for the Golden Eagles, 23 points, 2 assists. And Cam Jones was hot again with 18 points
1: on 4 of 6 from deep. All right, Tyler, with all that said, who's your first stock up of the week? Um, I'm going to take Creighton as my first stock up of the week. Um, they are, I, I affectionately will call them now the Fighting Ryans um, because Ryan Cochbrenner, Ryan Hawkins, and Ryan Nembhard, Um I think that one of the things that was cemented this week is Ryan Nemhart is the freshman of the year, while Amina Muhammad might end up with a better stat line um, in terms of he's going to be close to a double-double almost with his stat line. But Ryan Nemhart is leading a Creighton team um, in ways as a point guard that no one expected. Creighton was picked to finish 7th or 8th in the Big East at the beginning of the year, and now they're 3rd. Um, they do get two wins this week. Um, three wins this week. They beat Georgetown Nepal, which is kind of just taking care of business. But then they do beat Marquette um which is a big game and they you know they were able to pull it out um Ryan Cockbrenner continues to be kind of you know a force inside he had 21 points in the win against uh Marquette Ryan Hawkins continues to be a complete revelation i mean he is uh, i think we would both right now put him on our all conference first team uh he you know over the week he goes 17 and 9 against um Marquette he had 14 and 12 against uh georgetown and he had 25 and 11 against uh DePaul. so he just had a monster week where he almost had a double double in all three games a division two transfer and that is all he's referred to on uh <laughs> the fs1 broadcast as division two transfer but it uh, really plays a great game but the fighting ryan's are my first stock up of the week
0: yeah i think that's a really good one i think they kind of jumped marquette in my power rankings for the week um and they've Put together a really nice stretch here. Uh, I agree with everything you said about Ryan Hawkins. I would like to point out he leads the conference in double doubles. Um, he's been shooting great from three. He's a you know he's a three level scorer. He plays good defense. I actually switch him on to Daryl Morelle towards the end of the game when Daryl Morelle's lighting him up. Um, he's their defensive stopper, I guess. Um, and I think he's been fantastic. And Clockbrenner, you know everybody knows what he's giving you. He's just about the most efficient player in the league. He leads the conference in offensive rebounds, and a lot of their defensive strategy revolves around him. And then Ryan Nembhard, um, you know, what he's doing as a freshman uh, with this level of competition – uh you know you mentioned Amina Muhammad but Ryan Nembhardt's so much more efficient than
1: Muhammad and and he has to be and it seems not 0-16 exactly main 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 problem that I have with that is that his team is 0-16 you know Muhammad's
0: gonna take so many shots because they got nobody else on the team to take them Ryan Nembhardt is yeah. doing this at a very high level with not you know with at a very high efficiency rate uh he does have a little too many turnovers if you look but yeah, you know he's a freshman and he's he's not playing like a freshman right now. So I I agree with that take. I do think he's the freshman of the year. I don't think it's particularly close. The Fighting Ryan's and Alex O'Connell, great yeah. team name. Alex O'Connell. Terrible. Arthur Kaluma was uh hurt for part of this week at least against the Marquette game. Arthur Kaluma's a little underrated. His physicality is really notable, um, for a freshman also. And Trey Alexander coming off the bench, and then you're not going to mention the the last play
1: of the game. Um, I just saw you watching it, righty, Andrew view Oh, yeah, it makes down more self-step on the line, comes down and hits. Two free throws after, two. I, You know, Creighton just plays hard, and I don't think Greg McDermott gets enough credit um, for what he's doing. I think we all kind of fell in love with the Shaka Smart-Ed Cooley debate, which is not really a debate anymore. Um, Ed Cooley is the biggest coach of the year. He's probably going to come in at least in the top three in the head coach of the year. For all of college basketball. I think at this point, Greg McDermott's jumped him. Greg McDermott is, you know, team what he graduated all five of the starters last year. I mean, you had a really good Crane team that played really well together. He graduated, or they transferred, Bishop transferred to Texas. Um, and you had a really good team last year, and basically you were gonna build around Ryan Cochbrenner going into the year. You know, you didn't know what Ryan Hawkins was. I mean, I'm sure they had, you know, scouts and thought see what yeah. he could do, but the level of play is just so much different. Ryan Emhart's a four star recruit. Um, but you were building around Ryan Cockbrenner, which you know I like Ryan Cockbrenner, But I watched him last year; he looked like, you know, the kid who grew too quickly and then it wasn't fully ready in his body. Um, I just think everything that Greg McDermott said—he's put them in a situation where I think they're in the tournament right now, and I think they're firmly in the tournament. I think they're like an eight or nine seed right now. Um, and it, the Biggies should be a little worried because all those kids aren't going anywhere next year, yeah. um, and they're going to be well. Alex
0: O'Connell and Ryan Hawkins, I don't believe, have another year of um, uh, eligibility yeah. but uh, obviously Does, you yeah. keep nemhart alexander kaluma and clock runner. that's not a bad four and then i don't know who they fill it up and with. greg mcdermott is going to be their head coach so yeah so. and <laughs> uh, you know i also want to point out greg mcdermott is very famous for his let it fly three point um they're one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the conference and he's still making it work so uh, you know not only is he a fantastic coach but he's figuring out how to make it work with different personnel than he's used to so uh,
1: that's my
0: stock up and who is yours so my first stock up is going to be coach mike anderson of st john's um gonna make some johnny's fans mad they had i know because uh there's a lot of people that were calling for mike anderson's job and i was starting to think he might lose it but they had two great wins this week um they beat a really good xavier team and they kind of smacked them right out of the gate and then they go and then they absolutely demolished butler who's not as good of a team but they just put on a show against them and you know Then you see what Butler can do against Providence. So it's not like Butler's not. Butler's not a pushover. No, Butler's still good competition, and they they made him look like bad competition. Um, So I want to read off a couple stats here. St. John's already leads the conference in uh, steals per game and assists per game. They lead the conference with nine point three five steals per game. This week they averaged twelve per game, and they lead the conference with eighteen point eight assists. They finished this week averaging twenty three point five. Uh, So not only are they the best steal – they're going to lead the conference in steals and assists, they're increasing that lead. They're only getting better at those things. Um, You know, single-handedly, Julian Champagny had seven steals against Butler. Um, They had 12 steals against Xavier. Um, And that style of play that we've talked so much about, it sure looked pretty good this week, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, and when it works, it works. And now they have a three-headed monster. I mean – their three-headed monster goes up against anyone with Champagne. And the way Aaron Wheeler's playing right now, again, we I just can't say enough great things about him. Watched him at Purdue last year. Was not the same player this kid is shooting with. Incredible confidence. Every time he raises up, you feel like it's going to go in. Um, and then the heartbeat of that team is healthy again. And that's Pasha Alexander. But you know what kind of... I tweeted this out the other day. You know what kind of game Julian Champagne is going to have in the first five minutes. If that shot starts falling, um, he is automatic. He's in his bag all the time. Great to see him
0: um, being successful again. It Champagne? Sucked. Yeah, Champagne. It, it sucks seeing him go through a little bit of a dip. Um, but that kid is just so smooth. Somebody pointed out, I don't think there's
1: anybody who can score more, in the conference more effortlessly than Julian Champagne. And I think it comes across sometimes as like disinterested because he's just so smooth in everything that he does. And it, sometimes it looks like he's just not as interested in being there. You know who I would liken him to uh, if you're a baseball His fan? His twin brother. Robinson Cano. His twin brother, Justin Champagne. Robinson Cano, <laughs> you are I mean, you're a Yankee
0: fan, so you know exactly what I'm talking yes. about. That kind I of just... This. And he makes plays that nobody else does, but he doesn't even have to... It doesn't yeah. look that hard. And, he, you know, he can play as a two-guard at 6'8", which
1: doesn't... 6'9", yeah. which doesn't hurt. Um, and when it's right, it just looks completely out for us. But when it's wrong, it looks like he doesn't care. Yeah. And that's always been what Cano's problem was as a Yankee and probably as a Mariner, but no one lives in Seattle. Um, so... Yeah, I think that's a good comparison for all those out there. So that's my first stock up of the week. What's your second? My second and final stock up of the week. And I'm going to take UConn. Uh, UConn went two and zero this week. Uh, they had they've won three in a row now. They and you know what the thing about UConn is they've kind of been saying and we've been saying that you know we think UConn probably the third best team in the Big East. But they needed to differentiate themselves from the middle of that pack, and they beat two teams in the middle of that pack. Seton Hall's a very good team. I know they're not playing with Bryce Aiken. It actually now looks like Bryce Aiken's going to miss the rest of the year, I'm um, going off of some Willard's quotes after the game, which is incredibly sad, um, especially where Seton Hall was when he got that injury. Um, and, you know, you'd really like to see him get back. But UConn beat Seton Hall, and then they beat Xavier. Um, they win those games at home. UConn's going to go as far as their big three take them. Adama Sinogo at times, it's absolutely automatic. Um, Tyrese Martin is kind of the glue guy slash, you know, the guy who 3-and-D, three the uh, toughness of that team, the heartbeat of that team is RJ Cole. Um, I think I've now officially moved him to being on a Big East first team. Um, I think him and Gillespie are 1-and-2, but I think him, and Gillespie, and Posh are one 2 and 3 um, a, the xavier game yukon goes for about 10 minutes where they turn the ball over about 13 times in, insane number you probably think we're misspeaking no yukon in the second half they're in they've when the first half they're up 17 cole commences set third foul at about the 15 minute mark so from about the 15 minute mark to the nine minute mark they take out cole um, and they put in gaffney and martin turned the ball over a bunch of times gaffney turned the ball over a bunch of times they turned it over like 13 times in that second half at the beginning they put Cole in every single time they needed a bucket. Cole either hitting a float or he's in a hard, um, you know, off glass shot. He's hitting a three pointer. Um, so while his numbers don't look incredible, they're just the times he kept hitting shot after shot after shot. He really won. Um, and then the one thing for UConn that I think is the most encouraging is their bench play. Uh, UConn came into this year where everyone thought they might be the deepest team in the Big East. And that kind of disappointed. Cook's been hurt, and kind of you know he's only averaging about four. Jalen Gaffney's been a no show all year. I think he has three made shots in conferences here, four made shots. He hit a
0: couple, I think, was against
1: Xavier. He did, and at Xavier, not at UConn. He's had like four or five. So we said that we think Tyler Polly and Jordan Hawkins have to combine for about ten points game. Uh, Tyler Polly in this game had sixteen points. Uh, Jordan Hawkins had five. It's just a winning formula if the bench is playing well and if Tyler Polly's hitting his shot. And you'll know Tyler Polly will hit a shot to start the game, and then, um, yeah. and then and then you know you're kind of there. And if he misses his first shot, you know you're kind of not. So it's one of
0: the streakiest shooters in the conference. Yeah. Um, you know, when people talk about where's the UConn team that beat Auburn, Tyler Polly went for like Twenty five 25,
1: 25 yeah. 25
0: points in that game. Yeah. yeah, that's where that team is. It's wherever Tyler Polly is when he's hot. Um, you know, we t- were texting during the UConn Xavier game and we were like, it's a different team when Tyler Pauly can score from the outside because we know that their defense can hold teams into the upper 60s, lower 70s. Yeah. If UConn's offense looks pretty good and they- they're hitting threes consistently, they are one of the top 15 teams in the country. Absolutely. It's just that they don't have the out- consistent outside
1: shooting. Yeah. And Napoli and Napoleon Hawkins have shown flashes of it. Uh, UConn goes as far as they go and then they go as far as their three headed monster goes. You know, you're gonna you're gonna rely a lot on those three down the stretch, which, you know, it's nice to have some stars down the stretch, but at the same time, um, would be nice if some other people would check chip into.
0: Yeah, just want to reiterate, Adama Sonogo went for sixteen rebounds against Seton Hall. I think nine of them were off or maybe seven of them were offensive. He was a monster in that game. They they end up winning that. um by five. The rebounding margin yeah. by nine, uh, I thought that was really the game was how much he controlled the paint and uh Tyrese Martin, I think. And, and, and
1: Sonogo gets all the credit for also UConn extending that first half to a seventeen point lead. I mean, he was he scored almost all of his points in the first half. I think actually he scored all of his points in the first half. It's just he goes too long where he, you know, you can tell if he gets the ball outside of his comfort area, it's gonna be a charge, it's gonna be a turnover, it's gonna be a bad shot. Um you kinda of have to work a little bit harder about only getting him the ball in his comfort area because he's not gonna pass a lot. Uh so I mean he's still young, I mean he's still only a sophomore. I think we forget that a lot, that he is still very, you know, young. We same thing we're saying about Ryan Cochbrenner, where he's still figuring out exactly what's going on with his you know, what's going on with him. Yeah. I oh. agree. I think
0: Adam is actually pretty impressive with the float game. Oh yeah. Um and he had a couple plays earlier this year where he does catch the ball out of his normal spot but that's certainly not what you want, and it's not a consistent recipe for success with him. So
1: yeah. Um, so I was impressed with UConn, and uh, as a UConn fan, I'll take an opportunity to take him. So who do you got as your second stock up and your final stock up? All right, the last stock up for the week, I'm going. My guy, Colin Gillespie, with the performance of the week,
0: 33 points on 5 of 8 from 3. He had 10 points in the final 3 minutes. He goes 2 of 3 from the field with 4 of 4 on free throws um i thought it was one of the most impressive performances i've seen all year in the biggest game of the year in the only game we've had which were two top 10 teams in the big east um and everybody was watching and the brightest stars or the biggest stars shined the brightest um he was he was pretty incredible and for me i think that it catapulted him into player of the year category i know he had a little bit of a down game against georgetown but he went for 10 rebounds in that game um he almost had a double-double he just didn't score he was one point short Um, but you know that was not a game where they expected to need him as much as that providence game and he showed up ready to play against
1: providence yeah and i think everything we just said about rj cole same with gillespie it was when he made the shots too it was providence dunk is absolutely going insane and then gillespie comes off and hits a three Mm -hmm. um nate watson was having a really hard time what should he do um, on those pick and rolls situations, and that's not a shot at Nate Watson. That's just how good Colin Gillespie is. If you give him a tenth of an inch, he's gonna get that shot up. Uh, he just made big shot after big shot. All done. Um, and kid, kid's got a slow heartbeat. We've known that. Um, I think Gillespie probably would have left college if he didn't tear his MCL last year. But he wants one more run at the tournament. And he's gonna get it this year, and they're gonna be at the high C. They're gonna be favored, and it's gonna be it's gonna come down to what can Gillespie more and and, and, and he may still.
0: sneak into the draft. People aren't talking about it, but he's the best shooter in the conference at the highest volume. Yeah. Like you very rarely see that, but he's shooting over forty percent at the highest volume in the in the conference. Um, I don't know exactly what NBA scouts will tell you. He needs to shoot to get to sneak into the second round of the draft, but he's having a fantastic shooting year, and that's exactly what he wanted to do. That's why he came back. Um, was to
1: was hoping that he'd have a better shooting year this year than he did last year, and that's panned out. for Yeah, him really you know Gillespie's probably looking to land a G League deal and come back and figure out what's going on. Um, or a G League land a G League deal, work into a ten day contract. You know, if anything weird happens next year, um, like it did this year, where everybody in the G League got to play for a certain amount of time, you'll see what Gillespie has. I think he is a you know he is a leader of all leaders, and that's you know a lot of what Jay Wright says. I mean he he's on the floor, you just feel really confident when the ball's in his hands. So overall I just I also wanna as
0: you gonna piss off Providence fans. I wanna highlight the play where uh, Providence went on a little run and Gillespie took Manaya ISO post, yeah. scored and got the and one on him. Uh, possible defensive player of the year, Colin Gillespie just he senses the moment, he knows what he has to do. And there's nobody I'd rather have on my team in that moment in a conference than Colin Gillespie. Yeah. He, he's just he's proven it so
1: many times. Uh his ball fakes are ridiculous. I mean, I, the fact that people still fall for him is infuriating on TV, but it's probably more infuriating in person when you know he's going to do that and you fell for it and you have to, like, explain to Coach why you fell for it. But it's just that good. No, That's absolutely. And one of the threes he hit
0: in the uh, final three minutes, he gets the ball fake repositions, drains it. Yeah. Of course, he's not missing that shot. So, absolutely, oh. you know, Jay Wright he's got a huge
1: advantage you know we talk about some of the justin moore and colin gillespie (laughs) those two are buckets those i mean that's what other teams don't have i mean i think the only team that has anything close to that is st john's and i don't know what they're gonna do because i think julian Champagne is the only guy that i would want maybe shooting over justin moore and i don't want anyone shooting over Colin gillespie yeah i mean even though justin champ Jordan Julian Champagne, and, excuse
0: me, has a ton of talent. This one confused. We know what Con Gillespie does in the big moments. He's been doing it for years and years, and uh, there's nothing that makes me think he won't
1: continue and to that's, do that. And it's not a shot. I just, at anybody, it's like, yeah, sure. Providence's the best player right now that I want on offense is Nate Watson, but Nate Watson's not creating his own shot. UConn's best player is Adamas Sinogo offensively. I don't want Adam Sanogo creating his own shot. Like, it's just you go through the list and you realize that if you have a Big East tournament game and it's a one point game coming down the stretch. You want Colin Gillespie to have the ball in his hands and because he's going to hit his free throws if he gets fouled. He's going to he back you down and get, get a foul. He can make a three. Everything that Colin Gillespie does, I mean, it can be sometimes annoying as a Big East fan because it feels like he's been here since 1985. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, give the guys, give the kids some credit. Um, all right, so let's go wah, wah, wah. And let's go a little stock down. And I'm going to start us off. And I'm going to start and this is a media stock stock down just because of how high they've risen. I'm going to go with Providence. Um, and I want to say that a lot of this is just going to be positives. Uh, they went one on one with their win against Butler was a tough win. Their loss against uh, Villanova was a tough loss. I think both those games could have gone either way. I think everybody thinks that they could have easily lost that game against Butler, but they also could have easily won that game against Villanova. um, I think that the Butler win. I'm not as mad, nah, you know, saying that they're fraudulent because of that win, because it was only a one point win. We said the other week your team is going to lose to somebody you don't think they should lose to. Um, if Providence lost to Butler, that's just the game they lost to. Butler is a has a bunch of experience, a bunch of six year guys coming in. Laval Jordan had his team in the top five as recently as two years ago. I mean, this team is, you know, I know they've had a really bad season, but you know, they're playing and they're, you know, they're playing at Butler they come back and they win. Um, the main reason I'm going to say that and I'm going to give them a stock down is sports hernias are tough and Al Durham has a sports hernia. And I will say this, I, and I have no idea because these guys are world-class athletes and I'm sitting on a guest room bed. DJ LeMayo last year had a, um, for the Yankees, had a sports hernia that kept him out through the playoffs. If anybody knows who DJ LeMayo is, he's the Yankees third baseman, toughest guy in the world. Um, and he missed, he had to miss playoff games. He missed multiple weeks. I have no doubt that Al Durham is one of the toughest people in the world. He is the closer. He is the player on that team. You know, I always kind of laughed at Al Durham being called the closer. I watched him in Indiana a lot last year. Um, but then you watched him at the end of that Villanova game, and it was like he was 0 of 11 or something to start. And then he all of a sudden he just turns it on. It's like layup and one, layup and one. Like it's just, it was like, where did this guy come from? It the was like he was floater, shot at.
0: The floater yeah. he hit from an
1: impossible angle, and I, I saw him against Indiana. He's a different player right now. He was shot Absolutely. out of a cannon in the last five minutes. Um, I heard that he was hurting before in that game, and that's maybe why he was he was able to maybe just summon up enough gusto to get it done. But if Providence doesn't have Al Durham, that team is just such a well-oiled machine. It's like a clock. Like everything on the inside is just working perfectly to make the clock work. The problem is if one a piece in a clock gets messed up, the clock can get messed up, and I just don't want that to happen to a dream season that Providence is having. Um, and, you know, they played the next game. They played Butler, which is the second-worst team in the Big East, third-worst teams in the Big East, and they really had to come back and scratch and claw and win a game. So, and Noah Horkler cut his hair, and he didn't tell anyone, um, and that's really disrespectful because he was really had a Swedish villain going <laughs> for him, and now he kind of just looks like a... like. I would just tell him he couldn't date my daughter. So it's kind of a tough situation for me. I think it's a tough stock down. I mean, they lost to the number 10 team. No, Horton No. Tough stock down. Providence in general.
0: I think, uh, you know, Providence Sorry. fans are not going to like that. And I can see why. Because...
1: They played a hell of a game.
0: They played a really high-level game against the number 10 team in the country. And a lot of people were calling them frauds. And uh, I don't think you can walk
1: away from that game thinking they're frauds. I don't think they're frauds. I'm just saying they're stocked down from where they've come from. And if Alderham's really hurt and is going to miss time, then I think they're in some serious trouble. Um, But Providence fans are really calm, cool, and collected. And they're not letting the season go to them. So they're probably not going to care. Just kidding. I love Providence's rabid fan base um they really most happen getting...
0: in, in a conference
1: Ex- oh, okay well let me also first let's go stock up depaul's twitter depaul and creighton's twitter adopted us um when we watched a late game nine o'clock tip um or was it a 10 o- it was a 10 o'clock tip yeah. on a thursday night um and we ended up watching the whole entire game going nuts um javon freeman liberty let us down a little bit in that game but uh, depaul and creighton twitter was a edge of the universe i didn't know existed and I really think we should be talking about that more. Yeah, as they're a, fun as they're, a society. They're surprisingly fun. It's one of those depressed, you have to oh, yeah. have
0: your own fun because you're not going to have any fun watching DePaul Blue Demons uh, basketball. But yeah, they're definitely interesting.
1: Yeah. So we'll go stock up to the Twitters, stock down to Providence chances if Aldarma's hurt. Yeah. Better? I'll accept and, that. And who's your, who's your stock down? My stock down is going to be Marquette.
0: Um,. Marquette's having a little bit of trouble here. After we really sang their praises and we absolutely loved what Chaka Smart was doing out there, we're not rooting against them, but they've lost three of their last four. Their one win was against Georgetown, I believe, earlier this week. Um, and then they lose to Creighton in the rematch that they had all wanted after Alex O'Connell hits that crazy shot at the end of um, at the end of regular time on New Year's Day. So they get the rematch they want, and they end up losing. Um, what really stuck out to me was their defense was pretty poor, uh, and, and that's kind of where they had been hanging They've given their up hat.
1: 80 points in all three of their losses.
0: It's kind of where they were hanging their hat, and they gave up 83 points to Creighton, who are a good offensive team, but by no means high-powered, um, they gave up 85 to Butler. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they gave up 10 points in the final four minutes in that game. They had the lead. I think they had a four-point lead, uh, in the final four minutes. They gave up 10 points there, um. And I'll also point out that, you know, outside of Daryl Morsell, Darice and Marquette kind of didn't show up. They get 11 points from Justin Lewis. That's the most, um, Daryl Morsell was fantastic in that game. And it's really hard to blame Daryl Morseau for the loss because, you know, he obviously in the last play, we already touched on Andro Kalishvili getting the stop. But up to that point, Morsell had been the only reason they were in the game. Um, but, you know, Shaka Smart, did he peak too early? uh he had those guys
1: playing their asses off are they a little exhausted are they a little burnt out um yeah it's i mean that's one of the things you have to worry about with a young team too i mean everything comes together and it looks great but then you know they're they're a young team they're just coming together for the first time this year i mean even Der Marcel who's a fifth year um he wasn't there last year so i mean they are just now coming together and i you you got to wonder when if they peak too early Can, but these young teams you know there's there's some great quotes about some teams are just when you're young, you're just like almost oblivious to all the pressure and going on. And Providence, or not Providence, Marquette could come out there and they could go win another five in a row. They could win in a Big East tournament championship. And I don't think we'd be surprised in this No,
0: time. and I'd love to see him get hot. It's good for the conference. You love to see him get a good seed in, in the NCAA tournament. And they definitely have the talent. We've seen that. Justin Lewis still is going into the NBA, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Daryl Morseau, everybody knows, anybody who listens to this knows how much I love watching him play basketball. Um, so they could get hot and this is me rooting
1: for them and hopefully they won't be on my stock down next week. Yeah. And my final stock down is I'm going to take Xavier as my last stock down. Um, they kind of had a week where they just came off being ranked. They get two bad losses. Um, not two bad losses. They get a bad loss to St. John's. Um, although St. John's is peaking in the other direction. Um, it ends up and then they lose to UConn. Uh, one of the things that struck me, I, I obviously watched the UConn year you know, the different intensity. It looked like Jack Nungy just didn't play the same way he had been playing. It looked like a lot of his post moves he was looking to get fouled. Um, A lot of the time, I don't know where Paul Scruggs is anymore. I thought Paul Scruggs was one of the best players. If you had asked me going into the season if Paul Scruggs was a, like, player of the year contender in the Big East, I would have said yes. And now we're looking at, like, where has he been over the last, like, few games? Um, Fremantle shot from everybody, it looks like, on Twitter is something that you don't want to talk about. Um, it looks like he just, you know, he misses a lot of jump shots and I don't want to rag on him too much, but you know, let's, let's look at, I want to go back to Scruggs for a second because one, because I just got the stats up. So that's huge. Um, but (laughs) against UConn, he scored three points and had four turnovers and a road game with your senior on the floor who is tough as nails. You can't, you can't have a performance where you take seven shots and only make one and play 32 minutes. I mean, at that point, you're a net negative player. Um, yes, so. both uh,
0: Fremantle and Scruggs finish the game net uh, minus in box plus mm-hmm. minutes. Um, you know, I tweeted out after the game, you're not going to win a lot of games going 6-22 of 22 between the two of them for 13 points. It's not a winning formula for Xavier. Uh, I agree with you. Jack Nunji was not as good.
1: Uh, he only took two three-point shots. He had kind of killed Yukon. And he hit one at the end of, like, garbage time three, yeah. like, as when they were up, like...
0: So he was all one up until that point.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and he kind of killed Yukon in their first meeting with a pick-and-pop action. So I was surprised... And that they
1: didn't... got him a few times. He slipped a screen and dunked it. He had. I mean, he had two dunks at the beginning of that game yeah. where I thought he was in, in for another big one, but just never materialized. So, you know, Xavier kind of has played themselves onto the right side of the bubble and pretty safe on the right side of the bubble. Like... But, I mean, things could get ugly here quick. If they lose, you know, three of their last four or two of their last th- four, like, we could be looking at a team that's closer to the bubble than I think. They have four games left. They play Providence, definitely a losable game. They play Seton Hall, definitely a losable game. They play St. John's, definitely a losable game. I think they probably got to win two games. Um, they're going to be Georgetown the last game of the season to complete the 0-20 season for Georgetown, which is huge for all of us. Um. I think then they have to beat either St. John's, St. Hall, or Providence. They can go one and... What are they over their the last five games? They are one and four. And they've got five more? Uh, four more. Four more.
0: Yeah, so I was talking to somebody on Twitter. and You uh, were
1: tweeting at someone on Twitter. I was talking. We told you not to do that anymore.
0: They said all they have to do is beat Troy Choward. I have a hard time thinking that the committee puts in a team that has
1: gone two and seven over the last nine. Yeah, I mean their last. I mean they beat UConn, um, which is a quality win. Their backs are against the beat Ohio State. Uh, but I mean we're talking about a team that over the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight has lost one, two, three, four, five games, three and five over the last eight, and that's in Big East play. You're playing at the dunk in Providence. I mean that's that's in a raucous environment. I mean it's just. And I they, think you gotta beat Seton Hall or St. John's if they lose to Providence. I think you just win one of those. Yeah. Happy any moving They need Nate Johnson back. Yeah. Um, that was one of my takeaways from
0: the St. John's game is that their spacing is so much worse without Nate Johnson, who you know that defender kind of can't cheat off of him, but versus duane Odom, who, you know, is a lot of fun to watch, but he has no outside shot and he knows that if he catches the ball behind the three point line open, he runs in five ten feet. Yeah. Um so Nate Johnson is such an underrated piece out there, and I hope that they get them back, and I hope that Xavier gets rolling. Yep. So who's your final stock down? My final—I'm not going to say stock down. I'm going to say stock concerned. Stock concerned, and that's uh, Seton Hall, and it, you know we've been oh. concerned about them for a while now. I don't think it's fair to say that they're stocked down this week after losing to UConn on the road, and then they pull it off against DePaul in a kind of a must-win game for them. <laughs>
1: the ugly game.
0: Yes, it, <laughs> it was. I'm fine. Um, I think that. Like you alluded to earlier, the fact that we now kind of know that Bryce Aikens not coming back is pretty concerning for Seton Hall. Um, when I watch them play, I really feel like they're missing a shooter is their biggest problem. They're really good at getting penetration, collapsing the defense. They dish out to a guy like Alexis Yetna, who's not shooting very well at all and i love alexis yet but he's he's not shooting from three very well he started off the season shooting better and, and that's kind of faded away jared Roden's not shooting from three very well i think he's shooting below 30 percent um Kadari richmond's not shooting very well from three so i think the fact that they're not going to get bryce aiken back who's obviously a pretty darn good shooter i don't know if he's one of the best in the conference but he at least you know he hits his open shots pretty consistently um I think the Seton Hall's kind of struggling right now. Jared Roden had to go for 18 points and 18 rebounds to pull it off against DePaul. That was huge. He's got a killer's instinct and he will take them pretty far. But I'm not sure that they will be able to have as much success as they were hoping without Bryce Aiken coming back.
1: Yeah, and I'm on uh, Big East or the Bracket Matrix, and it looks like everyone has seen Hall in it. it's about an eight or nine. But again, that I mean that stuff just changes so quickly, especially in the Big East, because. You could you're gonna play four more games probably, and there's a chance that you don't. You know you could go one and three in a very tough stretch, and that's just not gonna be good enough. Um, they are lucky that they have the rest of their. They face Butler and Georgetown, but Butler just proved what a hard out it can be. But then they have Xavier and Creighton, and Xavier's gonna be playing for that game for all their life. Um, I've been saying all year, just tread water until Bryce Aiken comes back, and I don't know where what happens now without Bryce, um, which is it's just devastating because I thought he was. You know, playing for I thought he was like second team All Big East when he got hurt. Yeah, he'd been playing
0: excellently, and he was actually just getting better and better as he, he came out. He was starting finally. He didn't start the season um, in the starting rotation, um, so they got to kind of figure it out. I would say actually kind of the opposite on Kadari Richmond. He seems to be stuck up. He's cut oh, yeah. out the turnovers a lot. His assists are way up. Um, he actually was a pretty bright spot against UConn, in my opinion. That ISO post play that they're running with him that they're in with him against the as well is one of the best plays they run but of course the problem is he runs iso post collapse forces the double he passes out to a guy who can't shoot
1: yeah and i you know i wonder sometimes when a player is hurt you know we saw last year with book Knight, you kind of did, kind of just said we're not going to change our identity we're just kind of waiting for book to come back i wonder if now kind of a blessing that you know aiken's going to be out for the rest of the year because at least you know for sure and you're not going to have to worry about it anymore um, and it's not that cloud looming over your head at all times. Uh, will he come back? What should we be doing? Because now Kadari Richmond is the point guard. He is a starting point guard. He's kind of the backup point guard too. Um, so you got to just kind of figure it out. And you got to – there's there's no one coming to save you anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of – it's different when you know that, I think. I'd
0: love to see Jameer Harris get more run. This is not the first time I've said that. He looked electric against UConn at Automatic three-pointer. Um, He talks a lot of junk and brings a little energy to the, his he team. He backs it up. Um, Yeah. Um, I'd love to see him get run at the two at points with Kadari on the on the court. I don't know how much they're playing those two together. I don't have that in front of me. Um, but he, he's been a nice piece for them, and he seems to kind of plug in one of the holes that we're all noticing. Um, all right. Sorry. All right, so that's it for stock up, stock down this week.
1: All right, Ty, you going to look at the week that's coming up? Yep, so we're going to do it quick. Tuesday, UConn plays Villanova. Villanova traveling to UConn. On Wednesday, Creighton goes to St. John, Xavier at number 11 Providence, Butler at Seton Hall. Thursday, DePaul at Georgetown, America's Game. Saturday, Butler at Marquette, Seton Hall at Xavier, and Creighton at Providence. And on Sunday, you have Yukon visiting Georgetown and St. John's visiting Nepal. I'm gonna start with my game of the week and I'm just gonna touch on it quick. I'm lucky enough to be in the house tomorrow. Yukon Villanova. Yukon kind of punk or Villanova kinda of punked UConn the first time. Uh, Beat them by 11, which in a game that was never that close, and did it without Justin Moore, who is probably a first-team Big East player. Uh, UConn is kind of on a little run here. It looks like they've rediscovered some stuff that's working for them. Um, Interested to see what Eric Dixon does against Adamasunogo and Isaiah Whaley, if both of them can stay out of foul trouble, because Eric Dixon absolutely dominated the first matchup and was the best player on the floor, I thought, for either team which was surprising because I did not think that coming in Eric Dixon would be the best player on the floor for either team. Um, so I'm looking forward to the UConn-Nova game. Ryan, what about you? I'm going to go the, the middle game on Saturday,
0: Seton Hall at Xavier. Uh, those are two pretty, not similar teams, but teams that have had about the same amount of success this year and are kind of in the same place where they need to turn it around before tournament postseason time. Um, hopefully Nate Johnson will be back for the game. Uh, I think that will be a really good matchup. You got, you know, the big guys for Xavier are very different than the big guys for Cian Hall. Much more skilled, much less physical
1: players. Um, so I think that will be a fun one. All right. And now we're going to go to our rankings. Um, the rankings came out earlier today. And so the we have three Big East teams ranked. Providence drops from number 8 to 11. So they're no longer the highest ranked Big East team villanova goes for 10 to 8 that just seems right pretty much providence villanova flip-flopped after i would have liked to see providence at 10 but pretty much they flip-flop and uconn jumps from 24 to 21 i did think it was interesting though three teams receive votes in the big east um, marquette who had the most with 12 zave and this is points not votes um i think the way that they do it is if you get voted one you get like 25 points two is 24 points because it's a whole thing um whatever so Xavier had- or marquette had 12 points Xavier had two points, and Creighton received a vote from with one point. And I thought that was interesting because I really have enjoyed watching Creighton, and they're on a five-game winning streak. So does anything not sound right there for you or sound weird? You know, Marquette's
0: resume still plays what they built up before this little losing streak, this tough streak they're going
1: through, so I understand why they're getting points. I don't think they deserve to be ranked right now. Yeah. Um, they're 17-10. and 10. I mean, it's just it's going to be hard to get a 10-win team ranked right now. A 10-loss yeah. team ranked. Creighton, I believe had a tough loss somewhere
0: in there um you can check me on that but the, the... they've won five in a row
1: i mean they're on fire right now i think some of it's just expectations i'm um, coming into the year you know they've they haven't had terrible losses they lost to iowa state when they were ranked 19th they lost to colorado state who became ranked right after right. they lost to villanova they lost to xavier they have a loss to butler and that's pretty much their worst loss of the year yep. um I think that is more expectations. People kind of didn't expect them to be good, so unless they ran away with stuff like perfect, Providence. That makes perfect sense for Creighton because
0: they have three freshmen. It yep. makes a lot of sense the if they're rhymes. getting better as the season goes
1: on. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a good week for them to be ranked at the end of the week. I hope so. They're, you know Right now, the matrix that I'm looking at has um, Creighton averaging out to be an 11 seed. A lot of people don't have him in or have him as the last team in. Um, I don't know when this was updated. If it was updated... It says updated on February 19th, so not updated after the Marquette win. They're on the right side of the bubble, in my opinion. They're pretty firmly in. I think right now, not a last four in. Probably the next four in before that um, type of situation. So, you know, you hope that Creighton gets a few wins this week because, it just it, again, it continues to make the conference look bit better. Um, if they can go in and beat St. John's um, and play a good game against Providence, I think that would make the conference really uh, continue to stand out as a seven-bid league. Um I did want to kind of get into, we got a few things from people t- this week, which is great. By the way, send everything you can our way. We love hearing from you guys. Um, one person asked, well, they asked, is LaVal Jordan on the hot seat? But I would change it to, do you think, which hot seat do you think is hotter right now? Patrick Ewing or LaVal Jordan? Although I do want to say, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. It turns out Patrick Ewing got an extension <laughs> um, last year after his team won the tournament college sports is crazy that they can do that so quietly that we just learned about it now but uh it does seem like patrick ewing might have a little bit more job security but an oh 20 season i think might change that but
0: yeah i think the consensus is that patrick ewing won't lose a job unless he resigns uh he'd have to walk away you know the donors obviously can come to him and say we think this is what's best
1: um yeah but he could be like oh the only reason this <laughs> team is worth anything is because what i did 20 years ago right absolutely 40 years ago
0: Versus LaVal Jordan had a lot of success two years ago, and it wasn't considered a fluke. Um, I think both of them probably get some run next year and then get the Mark Turgeon
1: treatment, Chris Mack treatment, if they have a poor start to the season. That would be my guess on both. Yeah, you just wonder what happened with Butler. Um, They seem like, you know, you know all the players pretty much. I mean, Chuck Harris and Bo Hodges are really You know, good players. Uh, Bryce Golden had an incredible start to the year. He's really kind of cooled off of what he was. Aaron Thompson's a super senior. I mean, you just wish that Butler was having a little more success. Um, I don't know. I thought it was an interesting question. I don't know what, but I don't know what they have to do to save their jobs. I do think going zero and twenty in conference play, um, as a Georgetown who is a big time team was not a you know i think that could change people's mind just because the optics of it would be so poor.
0: And if we have any georgetown <laughs> listeners um i understand the frustration you know when we were growing up they were a huge deal um and obviously there people are starting to worry can they ever return you know how far can the the program sink before you know people forget of all the prestige that they had gained um but I don't think Patrick Ewing is getting fired in the offseason. I can't see that. I think he's got too much clout, and he just got the extension, and he just won a Big East tournament not even twelve months ago.
1: It's a problem with hiring a beloved player, and I think Michigan or Michigan's kind of running into a similar problem. It's really hard to fire a beloved player. Well, um, oh, okay. maybe from the outside, maybe not the diehard fans. The diehard fans are kind of like, "Let's do what we, you know, what has to be done." UConn was done with Kevin Ollie. Um, Kevin Ollie wasn't obviously the same clout, but. You know, it also, you're, you're ruining one thing. You're ruining either what Patrick Ewing did in the 80s and kind of, you know, you're skewing that a little bit.
0: Well, you'd love to see him figure out a way to part ways Amical in a way Blade? not similar to the way Yukon and Ali did.
1: Yeah, um, I don't think Georgetown wants to give anyone eleven million dollars. Georgetown does not want to alienate Patrick Ewing, who no. is
0: about the best face to a program you can imagine, uh, and he basically single handedly brought in Ryan Matumbo because he's Dikemi Matumbo's kid who loves Patrick Ewing. Yeah, can't um, blame him. Patrick Ewing has no trouble recruiting, and I, I've made this point before. Um, you look, he got the only five star recruit of the year this year. He got Dikemi Matumbo's son,
1: and Muhammad looks every bit as good as advertised. The team just stinks. Yeah. So. Um.
0: So that's not the problem. He seems to be having a problem having si- consistent success, uh, in the record. You kind of forget they beat Syracuse in the non-con. Yeah. Um. Lost that bet. But. I think they're both safe for now. Would be my guess. Two two recent success on both of them.
1: Yeah. All right. Then the next thing, the last thing we can probably touch on before we're done is, in. The- 16 days, two weeks from Wednesday, we will have a Big East tournament starting. Um, I don't know if you've seen the bracket, but the eight plays a nine, the seven plays yeah. a 10, and six plays the 11. So what you really want to do is you want to get off that four or five line. You want to be kind of either third. Um, you want to get off the six line because you want to buy on the first day. You don't want to have to try to play four games in four days. Um, I believe it is, right? One, two, three, four, four games in four days. Um, so right now... You have Providence in first, and they're pretty, you know, Providence and Villanova are pretty firm as the one two. I wish I was in math wiz, but because Providence isn't going to play as many games as Villanova this year, um, it's going to go by winning percentage. So you're not going to be able to just look at it because right now Providence has a 8.57 winning percentage, Villanova has an 8.24.
0: Providence is one loss ahead, which means if Villanova loses any game, Providence pretty much seals it. But if Villanova wins out, they that means they beat Providence, which means I believe
1: they won overall. So, yeah, I think so Providence for,
0: is not a lock yet.
1: Yeah, I think Providence Villanova are pretty much just the locks for one and two. Right. Um, Creighton and UConn are tied right now, but Creighton owns a tiebreaker because they beat UConn. Right. Um, if UConn beats Creighton coming up, it will go down to conference play record, I believe. Um, not conference play record, overall record, I believe, and UConn has a better record. Um, I you somebody can fact check me on that, I could be totally off. But I would say that right now UConn has the inside track to – well, both teams have the inside track for the three seed, whoever wins that UConn-Creighton game. But UConn also plays DePaul and Georgetown. They'll both get buys. Yes, they are both get buys. But you would like to avoid that 4-5 game, whoever you are, because you don't want to play – you'd like to play one of the teams that has to play the first time, who's right. playing the second. Um, so then when it gets interesting, it looks like, again, Marquette is pretty firmly in that, you know – they're a game and a half up on Seton Hall, Saint John's, and Xavier. So right now, if I had to guess, I'd say Providence is a one, Villanova is a two. Um, I actually will say that I think Villanova is going to take the one because I think Villanova is going to beat Providence at home. But that's either or. So both of them are the one and the two. I think Yukon's going to claim the three because I think you know it's pretty normal to split. And Creighton already took beat UConn, and UConn. I think that I think it'll just be a split. Uh, UConn will take the three, and then I think it's going to be Creighton and Marquette the four and five. Here's where it gets interesting. You really want the sixth seed. Because if you can't get a bye and you're one of these teams, you want to play Georgetown in that first round. Seton Hall, St. John's, and Xavier are all tied for that sixth seed right now. Who is – who's getting that sixth seed? Well,
0: well I don't have the um,
1: schedules in front of me. But if we're going off who's playing the best basketball, St. John's I'm taking St. John's. And but and they play at Madison Square Garden. And if St. John's gets a sixth seed and gets to build up momentum by playing Georgetown, like that I think is best case scenario if you're one of those seeds that have to play in the first game. Obviously because you're playing Georgetown. Um, but second, you start building that momentum and playing the right way. Nah, St. John's is a streaky team and if they win that game, then they go and play the worst of the t- or the 3 seed. That's going to be probably Yukon or Creighton. That's going to be I mean that would if they could get Creighton, especially cuz Yukon's beat him twice. That would be a really good game too. Then I mean then they're already in the semifinals. I see a world where St. John's has an opening to make a run to the semifinals in this. And then I wonder if they're on the bubble. For the Big East tournament. If the or Johnnies the are tournament. playing
0: well, I think they could beat anybody in the conference. Because yeah. they, they completely disrupt your style of play. And it's so hard to institute your style of play against the Johnnies when they're when they're doing their style the correct way. Um, so, you know, if they speed up Villanova, like, Villanova doesn't want to play at the speed that the Johnnies do. So, and not for nothing, every game is must-win for the Johnnies right now if they want to go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. If they can't lose another game, I don't believe. Um, so they're going to be playing really hard down the stretch
1: here. Seton Hall and Xavier, we believe, have already punched their ticket. So I wonder if that plays at all. Yeah, I mean, and then, I mean, Xavier, you're probably looking at either Xavier, Seton Hall, or St. John's is going to be the 8, and Butler's probably going to be the 9. That looks pretty much locked in right now. So whichever team play, you know, Seton Hall, St. John's, or Xavier's, it's still a quality team, and they're going to go play the 1 after that, Um, assuming they beat Butler. That's going to be a really good game, too. You're talking about playing probably Villanova or Providence at noon on a Thursday. It just seems like a game that I could see Seton Hall stealing. And, I mean, you could have so many upsets coming into this tournament um, that I'm just, you know, I think, I I don't know. This is where I've landed. I think the final standings are Villanova, Providence, UConn, Creighton, Marquette. Then I'm going to go St. John's, Seton Hall, Xavier, Butler, DePaul, Georgetown. I just see like so many different things happening, um, upset wise. I think that four five game Creighton Marquette, if that's the way it goes, is going to be must watch TV. Um, two teams yeah, that have peaked three. at different points. Yeah, well, also around three. And what is it like? It's a one point win one way, and a one point win the other way. No, Creighton's taking both. Great. Okay, so it's a, but like the plus minus is like what? Oh, three or four points. Yeah, nothing. I I mean, you're talking about an incredibly good game. Um, then you would have UConn playing the winner of the six eleven game, which would be whoever the six seed is, because you're playing Georgetown. I, I don't know. I've, I'm really excited for the biggest tournament for the first time in a long time. Um, I
0: think it's gonna be a ton of fun because you have eight teams that could win any given game. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think that the difference between one and eight is as pronounced as um, no. you know it is in other conferences in other years. And that's not a knock on Providence. That's the same. So, or Villanova. You know that's that's about how good Xavier and Saint Hall and Saint John's are at the bottom of the that eight.
1: Yeah, your eighth seeded team received votes today to be ranked. Like, it's just, it just you have to understand that the and you just saw what Butler could do. I mean, Butler just played Providence down to a one point game. Um, and if Al not healthy, all bets are off. So I don't know. I you know when people asked about the Big East tournament or predictions, I would still go. I think Villanova is the team to beat in the Big East tournament until somebody beats them but you know there are dark horses in here I could see Seton Hall making a run man could you imagine if Bryce Aiken somehow made it back for like that last game of the season what that team would be de- that team would be insane
0: yeah that would be fun I agree with you at the end of the day the Big East runs through the fin until somebody beats them yeah and um when somebody beats them we'll all celebrate it and we'll say it's awesome but until that time I'm going Jay Wright I'm going Congo SB, I'm going Villanova um, they've just done it too many times. We saw them do it again this week in the biggest moments.
1: Um, the, you know that's where they shine brightest. And we're talking two weeks from Wednesday. We have a brack a Big East bracket in front of us, and we'll have. I mean, we're gonna have another show before then, and then we'll have a whole preview about what's going on. You just feel it in the air, can't you? This is the best time of the year. Everything's
0: coming down to a close. Um, you know, I love watch watching the Saint John's Butler game because Saint John's, you can just tell, is playing with. You know they have to win this game if they want if they don't want their season to end. Um, you know the coaches are running their good stuff. Every game's a must win. Uh, best time of the year to be a college basketball fan right now. And most teams
1: have four games left, so we'll see what uh, what you can get in those four games. I mean, a lot can change. Think about what changed this week. We went from last time we recorded uh, pre Valentine's Day that Marquette was like ranked 18th in the country and one of the best you know we were saying easily the third best team now we're talking about creighton getting votes and you know things just change on a dime um but it's Big East basketball and that's why we love it yeah so. all right everyone we want to say thank you for coming out again i know that we ran a little bit long today we had a lot to catch up on uh we are going to be recording next week for a little bit more Big East talk as we had another week closer to the tournament um we are going to be looking to be doing a little bit more stuff around the time of the Big East tournament um maybe just a preview or a review here or there or whatever but we'll keep you guys posted the interactions on twitter are great we're racing to 500 followers um so let's
0: talk big east hoops come on give me some <laughs> follows he owes me
1: a free beer if i went big east bar room that also goes for me i had before we started recording i think i had a four or five follower lead at about 478 but you guys just blew us up in the last few days i mean we went from Um, both of us were saying thank you, I think two weeks ago for having 300 followers and now we're on the cusp of 500 and... Yeah, I I know that you know. Because everybody knows it's the best time of the year to be a college basketball fan. Everybody's starting to lock in. Uh, these games are so much fun to watch. We have so much fun watching them with you all interacting. Yeah. Um, shout out to the Paul Twitter and Creighton Twitter again because I can't give enough shout outs to them. Shout out to Providence Twitter for calling me an asshole because you know I just love the uh, intensity coming. Shout out, out to that. shout out to all the twitters and if your Twitter is not getting a shout out, interact with us. Tell us who the must follows are and uh, as always, thanks for pulling up a stool.